Hey, and welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. You know, we've gone through a season as a church over this last while where there's been a number of things going on amongst the staff, amongst the elders, amongst the congregation, whether it be sickness, um, difficulties, and uh, we just need to continually be praying for our leadership that God would protect, guard, watch over. And so we invite you to be a part of that. On Sunday mornings before the service at 915, there is a time of prayer together praying for the congregation, for leadership, for the service, and I'd invite you to come and be a part of it. This morning, as uh, we gather to pray, I got to tell you, the verses that were shared uh, as a part of the prayer time were really great introductions to this morning's message. There were verses of promise, how God cares for us, and he wants to be a part with us. And so uh, I encourage you, if you want to have a formal time of joining together, and prayer, come out uh, Sunday mornings, 9.15. It was about a half an hour of prayer before the service. I had a great introduction related to the Advent season. And Amanda did a great job of summarizing Advent for me. So I can almost skip over that part. Uh, however, I will catch this next little piece. One of the things about Advent, this is the beginning of the Christian New Year. I know January 1st is the new year for the rest of the world, but for us as a people of God, Advent represents the beginning of a new year. You see, Advent, as Amanda mentioned, is about coming. It's being aware of the advent of something happening, and it is the beginning of the gospel. So the Advent season, these four Sundays, really focus on what is at the core of what we believe. It focuses on our salvation. She also mentioned that it has to do with not just the advent of Jesus, but also in that is the promise of his second advent, his coming again. And so these four Sundays are really about how do we prepare ourselves for the advent of Jesus in our lives? I want to say this to you. Just because Jesus came once into your life, and we know he's coming again, That space in between, his first coming into your life and now his future coming, every day is an opportunity for him to come into your life. You don't receive Christ just once. The process of salvation is an ongoing process. It's one of changing, shaping, molding us. We call it sanctification. That's the big word. The short word is he's just making you like Jesus. That's the intention of Advent. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at the first Sunday of Advent, which is about promises. You see, Jesus' first coming was really rooted in the promises of the Old Testament. So promises, promises, promises. What do you know about promises? When you hear someone repeat that word three times, promises, 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 what what do you think about 
I often think about the fact that someone promised something and then broke that promise over and over again. And so you'll hear somebody who's been wounded by broken promises going, promises, promises, promises. Is that where you're at? Sometimes it's in our families, right? A parent who doesn't keep their promise. Sometimes it's bigger than that. And we believe that God has made promises to us and then they haven't been kept. And we go, promises, promises, promises. But at the very core of it, this is what the gospel is based on. It's based upon the word of God. It's based upon the fact that God has promised us something. So, Isaiah, I'm going to pick up two promises. Isaiah chapter uh, 7, the first one is 14. You see it up there. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What do you think of when you read that promise? The word Emmanuel, of course, means God with us. This is the promise of Jesus. This is the promise that the Jewish people hung on to, expecting God to answer this promise. It was a long time. You get to the end of the Bible, or Old Testament, Malachi, and it stops. God's speaking stops for 400 years. You think the Israelis were going... Promises, promises, promises. What about you? Do you have that sense that God is with you? That God is a part of your life? What is this God like? The second one is from uh, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, these are promises not just about him being present, but who he is when he's present. How he wants to work in you. How he wants to be a part of your life. It is important to recognize promises in our lives. The promises that God has made. So, Second Peter, chapter 1. In 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3, just two verses, 3 and 4, it's directly related to the idea of promises. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and for godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And then here's the line. Thus he has given us through these things, that's his glory and goodness, through his glory and goodness he has given us Precious and very great promises. So that through them you may escape the corruption from this world. Because of lust and may become participants in the divine nature. You see, the promises of God have a very specific intention. It's to set us free from the corruption around us. The brokenness in people's lives. The brokenness in our own lives. God's intention is to come and move in amongst us, to be present. He wants to be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. What about those titles? How do they resonate with your heart? Which one of those titles do you want to take hold of and say, yes, I want to hang on to that one? This is what it's about. Advent starts 
with us understanding that God has spoken to us. And this Bible, or the one you're holding, or the one that was written thousands of years ago, contains God's commitment to us, contains a sense of his purposes and intentions. And that's why it's so important for us to read, for us to pursue it and to understand it in ourselves. This isn't a difficult book to read. Okay, there are some chapters that are a little difficult. There's a few in Leviticus that turn me off. But the reality is, is that when you take the Gospels, where it talks about Jesus' life, those are great stories. And you know what they tell us? Colossians says that he is the exact image of God. Hebrews says that also. And so when you read the story of Jesus, you're getting this clear picture of who God is and what his heart is and how he wants to be a part with you in your lives. And there are promises scattered throughout those statements. When you read in the Psalms, like this morning, Psalm 34 was mentioned, Psalm 27 was mentioned. It was Psalm 27, wasn't it? 18, sorry, Psalm 18. When you read those Psalms, you'll find promises from God. And you can hang your hat on them. Your coat, your life, your family. The promises of God. But the promises are there. But they don't do anything until you engage them. And so this morning we want to talk about what does it mean to worship? Simply worship. Because you see, that's what Christmas is about. You have a variety of things that happen throughout the story of Christmas. I encourage you to be reading the first couple chapters of Matthew. Read the first couple chapters of Luke to catch the Christmas story. When you read it this week, ask the question, where is worship revealed in the story? You'll find it with Mary. You'll find it with the shepherds. You'll find it with the three kings or the wise men that came it is scattered throughout. But what is the worship there? Okay, let's just see where I'm at. I want you to turn in your Bible to Psalm 95. When we talk about worship, I want to start in the Old Testament, get you a bit of an idea. Psalm 95 Starting at verse 1, we'll go through to verse 7. I'll make comments throughout so you catch, uh, can keep going here. So Psalm 95, starting at verse 1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Well, we did that this morning. You want to know something? When we finished singing this morning, I thought, gee, I don't really need to preach this morning. Did you feel that? A sense of God's presence, the joining together of our hearts. It was just, it was significant for me. But he goes on to say, we're supposed to do this. For the Lord is the great God. He's the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. We come and we praise him. We thank him for all that is around us. Whether up 
in the mountains and you're awed by what you see, be thankful. Thankful for the beauty that he's put around us, but also the moment of quiet that you can have there. Or maybe you're like us. We have a bedroom window that opens up to the east. And so in the morning sometimes, the drapes are pulled back and the sun rises there. Are you thankful? Thankful for the created, creative God that we serve? It goes on for more than that, though, because the next line is, come let, us, uh, come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You see, worship is a step beyond thanksgiving. Worship has to do with the fact that it is submitting to him. It's bowing down in worship. Why? Because we are his flock. We are the people of God. We are the ones that he is committed to taking care of. He has called us into relationship with him. He has called us to belong to him. And what is our famous statement here that we end every service with? We are the people of God. No, I would say you are the people of God, but you can say we are the people of God called by, we are the people of God called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be the people of God. This is who we are. And there is a worship is not just about recognizing what the promises are. It isn't just being aware that God has said these good things to us. But it's actually engaging them. It's actually taking hold of them and actually following through on living your lives based upon what God has promised you. Are you doing that? Or do you have a sense of, yeah, God's, the Bible says some nice things, but God has disappointed me lots of times. I thought that he would take care. I mean, the Bible says that he's a God that is the healer. Why hasn't he healed my family? Why hasn't he healed my friend? You see, sometimes people take these promises out of the context of the greater perspective that God is overall. And he'll take every circumstance in our life and he'll work it for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And if you love him and you're called according to his purpose, then there is something about being willing to work with him in every circumstance of your life. And it isn't just that the black and white says this. It's the fact that this Bible covers the whole of our lives, not just the specific moment of our life. And the context of God's purposes and intentions are much bigger than who we are, and they are inclusive of everybody around us. Every person around you is a person that God wants you to be able to minister to, speak life to, call them on to something more. And the promises are there. For us to respond to, not to just enjoy. Not to pull out as a weapon to say, God, you got to do it this way. But rather is to pray into it and try to understand what God is doing and how he is working in our lives. First Thessalonians chapter 1, 
verses 2 and 3 says this. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. I've got to say that as we have grown to know you, as we become aware of you as a congregation, we are much more engaged in praying for you. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the enduring hope that you have because of our Lord Jesus. You see, when we pray for each other, there are certain patterns of prayer. Faith, hope, and love are the three characteristics of an effective ministry. If you read the letters of Paul, you'll find faith, hope, and love often referred to or referenced in the first verses of each of those uh, letters. Not all of them, but some of them, most of them. In Thessalonica, it was, we pray that God, that about you, we think of your faithful work. In other words, it's hearing what God is doing or watching what he's doing and joining him in it. As we sang that song, keeping our eyes open this morning, did you pray that? That you would see what God is doing around you? Seeing isn't enough. Did you know that? It's the faithful work. It's more than that. Loving deeds. Because you love somebody, you respond, you act. Love isn't just a word, it's actually an action, isn't it? And then finally, enduring hope. You see, the promises are the foundation of hope. If we understand who God is, and we trust Him, then when He makes a promise to us, we have hope. How many of you have made a promise to your kids that you would do something special with them? Are they hopeful? Are they expecting it? Every time you fulfill a promise, they have trust in you. They're growing trust in you. The same is true with God. When you embrace the promises that he has spoken to us, and you start praying about them, and you start inviting him to work in you to make those things become real, one of the things that happens is your faith starts to grow. And when it doesn't show up right away, you have hope because you have come to know our faithful God. You've come to understand that he does respond to us. And the result of that is, is that you endure until you see the answers. So I want to take you to the story of enduring hope. The consequence that results in worship, because I really believe worship is our obedience. At the end of the day, you're really worshiping God when you take what you understand him to be saying and you actually act on it. So, Matthew chapter 1. This is a story where it says, earlier in the Matthew, this passage, it says that this is the way this birth of Jesus came about. There was this virgin... Uh, who was engaged to Joseph. And before they came to the marriage, she was found to be with child. And so Joseph, being a righteous guy, he was upset, but he didn't want to embarrass her. So he was planning privately to break off the engagement. Verse 20. 
as he was considering how he was going to go about this, have you ever had those awkward moments? You wonder what you're going to do? As he was considering this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. So when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until he was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Do you notice the worship? He listened. He had a dream. Angel came to him, told him, and he immediately responded by obeying. That is simple worship. Our obedience, every time we hear from God in some way and we respond and act in obedience to what we have heard, we are worshiping him. It's a step farther than knowing what the truth is. It's actually taking and applying the truth. It can be for ourselves. Shem led us this morning in communion. He invited us to reflect. Is there anything we need to repent of? If you reflected on something this morning and you thought of something specific, it becomes worship when you follow through. Up until then, it's just theory. It's just God had spoken, but you didn't do anything with it. And simple worship is simply obedience. Joseph practiced obedience. I encourage you to read the rest of the Matthew narrative because in that, it is really focused on how Joseph was a key figure in protecting Jesus. And it was his obedience that over and over again, God trusted in. The passage says that he was a righteous man. I got to tell you, Joseph, when I look at this passage of Matthew, he stands out as a man that was closely related to the father. He understood who the father was. He heard the voice of the father. He responded in obedience. And the result was, is Jesus was protected. And if you read through the Matthew account, you'll find that the prophetic words spoken about Jesus were all fulfilled. Not all. Some of them were fulfilled directly because of Joseph's uh, obedience. So, let me take you back to Psalm 95. Because the conclusion of Psalm 95 is the warning that every one of us needs to have. I guess I should read it out of this one because this is a different translation. If only you would listen to his voice today. This is for you and I. The Lord says, do not harden your hearts as Israel did, as they did in the wilderness. You notice I skipped saying those words. I wasn't quite sure how to say them. What happened in that place? Well, 
Moses led the people of Israel out into the wilderness. They had seen God act in mighty ways. They had seen God bring uh, plagues on Egypt. Then they get out and they're uh, caught up against the Red Sea and they saw the Red Sea open and they went through. And when the Egyptians tried to follow, they got buried in the water. They saw God act in so many different ways on their behalf. They went out into the wilderness a little bit farther and it was pretty dry out there because it was desert. And they started grumbling and complaining and not trusting that God would take care of them. They'd seen so many things already. And they wouldn't listen. So Moses, God said to Moses, go over to that rock, command water to come forth. Strike the rock and command water to come forth. They had hardened their hearts because of their personal need, their personal longings. They did not see beyond themselves to see what God had planned and intended for them. So, as it says in the passage, if only you would listen to his voice today. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them, and I said, they are the people whose hearts have turned away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Forty years they wandered because of their disobedience. Now, it's an interesting thing. They were still the people of God in those 40 years. And in those 40 years, God still took care of them. He protected them. And a new generation had to rise up amongst them. In our lives, the same is true. We can know what the promises of God are. We can either embrace them and experience ongoing growth in life. Or we can ignore them and enter into a season of wilderness. And that wilderness is as long as you want it to be. One of the things I love about who Jesus is is the fact that when he died on the cross, all the sins of all the world were forgiven. Catch that? Every one of us has experienced that, knows that to be true. But there's a whole bunch of people outside our circle, isn't there, that don't know that they are already forgiven. And because he's forgiven all of our sins already, when we repent, when we acknowledge and invite him back in, it's not hard work. It happens like that. Each one of us needs to recognize that our lives will always be God's. But when we are disobedient, when we don't follow through on the promises, we enter into a season of wilderness. Separation from God. But he is just waiting for us to respond back. You see, that's the power of a promise. God has forgiven. He will forgive. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is an ongoing thing. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no waiting in those statements. They're just a reality that God wants to connect with us. So I want to encourage you. Take a hold. Read your Bible. Be aware of the promises that God has made you. His commitment to be present for you. His commitment to walk alongside you. His willingness to participate with you in the raising of your kids. And connecting with your neighbors. All of those things are locked up right in here. And as you read and you take hold of them. And you trust God. You start in inviting him to fulfill these promises in your lives. He will start to bring life to your every decision. And that life allows you to encounter his glory and goodness. The final verse that isn't on a slide, I wish I'd thought to put it there, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. There it says that where the spirit is, there is freedom. And if you stand facing Jesus with your face unveiled, he will change you from glory to glory into his image. Is that what you want? Embrace the promises. And don't just embrace them in terms of your memory. Embrace them in terms of your actions. Live your life based on the promises of God and you will have life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have given us great and precious promises. And their intentions, Lord, are to save us from this corrupt world. That we would live in a divine nature. That's so hard to imagine. But we want to thank you, Lord, that you have promised that. And we want to embrace that promise. To see your purposes fulfilled in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.